National City. National City. Lineage in Barrio. Lineage. All right. My mom and her sisters were born and raised in Barrio Logan. Went to Cathedral. Went to Catholic schools out there. My dad's from El Centro. Nice. And actually, they met in Barrio because my dad is one of the founders of Chicano Park, Octaviano Quintero Presente. Damn, you got to just slide that in. Yeah, I mean. My dad is one of the founders of Chicano Park. Yeah, man, you Google Octaviano Quintero and the Prince article will show up. There'll be a photo of him and says all the things. He was there for the takeover, which means he was yep. there, you know, from the beginning. From the get. Past president, things of that was nature. Was that a Chicano dick swing right now? No, it's just. Jesus. Well, it goes back to, like, how do you become you, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm him. I'm me because of him, mm-hmm. you know? And he's him because of my grandfather. like, And so on and so on. And so on and so forth, right? And it's like, uh, my parents, they actually met at a Chicano Park fundraiser. Like I said, my mom was from the from the neighborhood. She still lived there. And then they, they went out and they got married and... <laughs> The rest is history. I'm the second of two boys. And, uh, yeah, uh, National City, born and raised, uh, South Bay, my whole life, between Paradise Hills, um, National City, and Chula Vista. And, uh, you know, for a real reason, that's why I've wanted to, you know, go into business in the South Bay. Not just because it's, like, familiar, but it's because... For the longest time, you'd have to leave the South Bay to do anything fun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, aquí estamos con el Rey de Reyes, Dr. Q, Dr. Gonzalo Quintero. That's me. A father, a husband, an educator, a pillar of the community, a city council member, a business owner, an entrepreneur, somebody who dabbles in everything. Gonzalo Q. What up, Steve-O? How's it going? All is well. Just wanted to, you know, have you in finally, talk to you. I mean, I, I've been trying to get you in here, not directly like asking you, but I'm like, I got to make time to get Dr. Q in here because I'd like to get everybody from the South Bay eventually down here. And um, just, you know, I feel like we had something that you and Joanne and Eddie and, and other people involved in the South Bay that we kind of uh, planted a seed and, and watered it. And now I feel like it's coming to fruition. You know, it, it's been like, what, six years in the making, the South Bay? No, for sure. Um, you know, like, we started the South Bay gu- the Beer Guild with each other, and it's like, that. that's taken kind of a backseat, but it's because, and leading up to this point, it was like, it was kind of like a, a place where we could bounce ideas off of each other, share ideas, uh, collaborate, and now we're at the point where we're all, you know, running our own ships now. How weird is that? I mean, it's something that we all really talked about. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And now I feel like full circle. You have your business on Third Avenue. I have my business on Third Avenue. Joanne and Eddie are coming to Third Avenue. <laughs> um, Tom is opening the Balboa. So, I mean, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and you think about, we're like, think of it. Um, you know, Tony with Barcy Nombre. And then Tony, yeah, I left Tony and out. Then we yeah. got, and then we got Third Avenue Ale House. Ale House, yep. Brewery, like everyone's doing it, and Ronnie, Ronnie, and, and Ellen at the Grindhouse, and you and oh, Ellen yeah, at the sure. Tavern at the Vogue. That's right. Like all these things that used to just be thoughts became things, right? And a big part of it is because of that camaraderie that we had. The fact that you know you see it in so many other communities where you know people talk a lot, but no one does a yeah. lot, or they'll share just enough information, but you know. At the end of the day, they're 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 trying to keep their cards close to their chest. I think with the guild and with just our interactions with each other and being like real friends, like we've been to each other's houses, you know. Yeah. We've 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 shared meals with each other, and 
not meaning just me and you, but everyone that you talked about. And it's like when you when you build that real camaraderie, that those deep friendships, that sense of trust, that's how you, you know, you get to where we are, meaning that's how you get a business open. I always tell people, you know, I know the I know the uh, secret to eternal life. A ver, dale gas. <laughs> so if you're presented with a challenge and you only look inside yourself, if you're insular, then you only have one lifetime of experience to pull from. But if I were to talk to Tony, if I were to talk to Alan, if I were to talk to you, to Joanne, to Tom, that's five lifetimes right there that I can pull information from. That's true eternal life. When you open your heart, when you open your mind, you open your ears and shut your mouth, you have an opportunity to learn. And that's how we all got to this point. So, you know, you want to learn how, how to do it. It's not, it's not financing. It's not luck. It's not good timing. It is all those things. But at the end of the day, how, how tired are your hands? How tired is your back? Mm. How much are you really, to, really willing to put in, into this? Because that other stuff can be replaced. What can't be replaced is the time spent. Mm-hmm. The grind, the hustle, what you're putting in, the sweat equity, all those things are true. Everything you just did right now, everything you just said, that's Dr. Q in a nutshell. A walking, positive quote, just waiting. Just waiting <laughs> to be spewed. Um, I met you six years ago, I want to say. Seven years ago, maybe, when I went back to San Diego State. And you were my marketing professor. That's right. Uh, one of the uh, founding instructors for SCSU's uh, professional certificate in the business of craft beer for the College of Extended Studies out there. We had a really amazing opportunity to start that program to really become like a clearinghouse or front of house staff. A really amazing group right off the bat. You know, you had uh, Scott Blair as one of the instructors, myself, it. Dr. Bill, like some mm-hmm. heavy hitters. And more importantly, you know, aside from that, the pedigree of the instructors and of the administrators, the people that have come out of that program are even more amazing. And you look at the success stories that that program's had, you know, people such as yourself, countless tasting room managers, countless uh, restaurant GMs, all this FOH, front of house staff, that really came out of there, not with just a piece of paper, mm-hmm. but with a, a, a knowledge, a knowledge mm-hmm. that runs deep, that is well-respected in the community. And that program's still alive and kicking and doing really well. How many years into it is it now? And are you still involved at San Diego State, the business of craft beer? No, I had to step back a couple of years ago when uh, I became GM of La Bella Pizza Garden Ooh. down the street. So that was, you know, my my uh, sacrifice to myself. But, you know, you can't give 100% of yourself to too many things. No, you can't. It's mathematically impossible. Side note, La Bella, 64-year machine down in the South Bay as it relates to um community eatery it's a local italian italian establishment um we were just talking earlier before we started uh, recording this i used to go to my soccer banquets there as a young tyke and i took my son my oldest son to his first soccer uh banquet two weeks ago so it's full circle everybody in the south bay knows where la bella is for more than one reason one killer bar killer cocktails number two craft beer When it was referred to as craft beer freely and there was no qualms about it, um, you could get Stone IPA at La Bella. Nowhere else, on tap, just in the South Bay. You'd go to La Bella and you'd know, you know what? I'm going to try one of these crazy things called an IPA. What is this all about? Not going to lie, man. I've I've gone shitty there a couple of times. (laughs) Oh, I've heard that a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... 
We were the first uh, account that Sone had south of the 94, my brother-in-law. Dude, that's a that's big time. Yeah, Tony Rasso, and he was the bar manager there. He he, he was the one that brought it in, you know. Uh, now that he, he runs Bar Nombre and he's doing killer things there, like beers that you don't see on tap anywhere else in San Diego, let alone Southern California. And he was doing that back then. With, you know, it sounds rudimentary now, but to have uh, – Fugal hopped Sculpin on draft. Yeah. You know, like that, that was like a big deal. And it's a big deal now. Like if you were to get that now, like you can't get that kind of variant or just to have Stone IPA back in the day when you couldn't get anything like that. Maybe, uh, Joy Bachua had that at South Bay, South Bay Liquor, Liquor, yeah. yeah. Or, and, uh, Don and IB, but no one had it on draft, you know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that has kept us perpetuating down there. Not just, you know, as we were saying before, the generational aspect of, of being the place where people meet to eat, but also just like keeping it fresh, keeping it uh, with what people want to do right now. And, you know, as, as we go into uh, the 64th year anniversary was in October, you know, the fact that we have over 100 employees. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. You know, countless banquets, weddings, wakes, baby showers and everything in between. Like it is just I was there for a divorce party one time. That's yeah, not mean. not anybody I knew, I'm but sure there was a, I'm <laughs> it was lit. There was a couple <laughs> in the corner, and then a couple turned into like a dozen people, and they were just <laughs> celebrating their boys divorcing. I was like, "Holy crap! Come one, come all." Before we get too into what you're doing currently, where did you start? What what is your upbringing? What is your background? We were kind of talking earlier about your dad um, being one of the founders of Chicano Park. Tell us more about that, my man. Oh, for sure. It's like. I can think of every time that my mom and dad would take me and my brother to Chicano Park, it was like always with a little quid pro quo. We will go there if, and it was quid pro quo. <laughs> we will go there if you clean up the park while you're there. So we'd always have to get a bag of trash together. So me and my brother would clean the park and then play. And nice. It was never like play and then if you have time, clean the park. No, it's no, like you handle it. Yeah, handle that and then. Every year for Chicano Park Day, that was like our time to shine. My father, for the majority of my lifetime, was uh, uh, the committee uh, chair for the Jose Gomez Brigade, which is still alive to this day, but particularly on Chicano Park Day, those are the groups of individuals that go around cleaning the park throughout the day and clean it up after because, you know, thousands upon thousands of people are visiting on Chicano Park Day. And it's like, as the years progressed, you know, you go from a bag holder to a bag filler to like a team leader and then there you have it and though my father's still with this he's he, he's slowed down and pulled back over the years but you know he's still always going to be a part of the movimiento and you know as i said before like i am who i am because he is who he is and who my mother is they're both well educated they instill in us the importance of education and it was never education. It's like, oh, you get to become a doctor or a lawyer to get a good job. No, it's like you're going to become educated and you become a good person. And then with Ooh, those that's, opportunities. That's good. That's very good. Yeah, with those opportunities, then you're able to provide more opportunities. So it's like um, you can be a Democrat and be a businessman, as we were talking about earlier, because you can employ people. You can employ people with a livable wage, and you're providing for more than just your family. You have a lot of families counting on you. And you're providing opportunities for people. And especially in San Diego, especially in this industry, like we're an industry leader in San Diego, the craft beer capital of the world, in my opinion, 
We have some of the best bars, restaurants, tasting rooms, some of the best breweries. So if we're giving people an opportunity to shine here, they can do something at the highest level in San Diego. They can do it at the highest level in the South Bay, or they can move on and do it somewhere else. True, true, true. Dude, yeah, San Diego, man. I mean, Chula Vista. I know San Diego is a is a craft beer hotbed. Can we still say craft beer? I mean, that, that, people, there's always a debate about craft beer, independent beer. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't want to get caught up in the yeah, there, it's, it's always going to change. Yeah, know, it's, it's like, ever flowing. I, I remember it used to be called microbrews, right? And then um, when, when Hess first opened, they were a nano brewery. And then, then that's when, it, for me, it's like, you know, it's beer. You can enjoy it. You can enjoy a Bud Light if you want. I mean, you can enjoy a super rare Cantillon from Belgium if you want. It doesn't make you better than anyone else what's in your drink. What makes you better than anyone else is if you understand why you're consuming something, if you understand the bigger implications and, you know, if you're helping others along the way. It's, that's that's more important. Community. Yeah, I mean, people people don't don't come to bars and restaurants just to drink. You could do that anywhere, you know. What's important is, like, What's the atmosphere that you have? What's the vibe that you create? And like, what's the sense of space that you hold? You know, and Third Avenue, like right now, more more than anything, it's just like we have a lot of magic happening here. You know, it feels like um, it's a rebeginning because we have so many people that have always wanted to maybe learn about craft beer, get into it, and they didn't have an opportunity to like have it demystified for them mm-hmm. you know it was always something like that was in another neighborhood yeah. or something that was just out of reach or just something that they didn't like you know they're shy to learn about and and that's one of the things i tell like our, our staff the people we work with here at the brewery is that hey you know what we're the fisher price of breweries as it relates to like the south bay and more specifically here in chula vista on the west side it's like and by that i mean people are going to come and they're not going to know the difference between a lager and an ale, an IPA and a double IPA, a stout and a porter. It's like, it's our job. It's like our responsibility. If we want this thing, this thing of ours to continue to grow and flourish down here in the South Bay, we got to make sure we tap into people and let them know, Hey, what do you normally drink? You know, like you like something a little more palatable, something light, something that's not going to kill your tongue, something, try this lager. Cause we have six loggers on our board right now. Oh, we're going to get really geeky with the beer talk. We have a lot of loggers on the board and, and at the brewery right now. Why? Because that's what we were raised drinking down here. You know, I was just looking at a picture of me drinking them, some tecates out of a cool little hat that I had. And that's what we grew up doing. We grew up drinking loggers, something that we can crush. IPAs, first IPA I had killed me. The, the, the first craft beer i had was the sierra nevada pale ale and holy shit q that thing exploded in my mouth i was like what is this i felt like my tongue was on fire and i was like nail i don't know what this is i don't want it but then i had it again <laughs> i drink that now it's like it, it, it's so smooth it, it's one of my favorite beers i can just drink that and it's like i don't even taste the the harshness of the pine the hop like it and that's what it is like right now it's like People are going to come in and they're going to have one of our beers. They go to La Bella and I'm pretty sure the same thing you go through, went through before we were even here is like introduction to what you're about to taste. Well, it's just like anything. It's like you don't want to feel stupid. No. You know, and you got to remember that for, for our staff. And especially with craft beer, like there already is a lot of people and a lot of um, bars, restaurants, and tasting rooms that have done craft beer as a whole a disservice by being pretentious pretentious uptight unapproachable ridiculing the client just not nice yeah know? and it's like you know these people are 
coming out of their way to spend their hard-earned money. They don't might, want to be embarrassed. It might, you know, it might be the only twenty bucks they have to spend Correct. that weekend. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure that they don't feel bad about mm-hmm. spending it. You know, like at Tavern, my partner Alan is always saying, like, you know, the customer's experience is all that matters. You know, because we're lucky that they even came through the door. And it's like to have it said that harshly is really important. Yep. Because it's it's not a guarantee. As busy as all of us are on Third Avenue, like it could go away tomorrow. Because what if something even cooler opened down the street? Or what if all of a sudden everyone's like, you know what? Uh, let's just do a sober October. <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> happened, man. You know, but so you can never take it, take it for granted and never try to. Uh, take advantage of our customers' good nature. And we're at the end of the day, like, like I said earlier, we're trying to provide a space for them to share. Well, yeah, perfect opportunity to jump into your current venture because you're a man of many hats, man. I, I mean, we've known each other for a, at least a good six years, and I, I, I always come to you and I always try to pick your brain because you're somebody that I kind of always look up to and be like, hey, thinking of doing this, you're a family guy, I'm a family guy, you're a business owner, I'm a business owner, you know what? So I feel we have a lot of common ground that we can both kind of take that journey down. You recently started a business on Third Avenue, and I know this is something that you've been wanting to do. I know if you have a vision board, it was probably at the center of your vision board of getting it accomplished, opening your own establishment on Third Avenue. You've had years, decades of training at uh, LaBella, and now you get to put that training in motion by becoming your own entrepreneur. Tell us about your business. For sure. Tavern at the Vogue over here, just a football throw away from you guys at 233rd Avenue. Depends on the arm. (laughs) And... uh, so uh, the name comes from a demarcation of space. You know, we're right next to the old Vogue Theater. And uh, if you're from the South Bay, you definitely know where it's at. Like, so just by virtue of, of that, like, it was kind of a no-brainer with the name because... It's a good name. You already know where you're at. And it's, it's a, a cool, very it's good cool, name. It's a cool name. Like, maybe open up another one by a golf course called Tavern at the Green. You know? El Vato. You know, that'd be cool. Hey, man, save some for the rest of us. You don't got to let that out just yet. Yeah, relax. I'm just saying. <laughs> it is a cool name, but also it's like uh, the building that it's in is the old house of Munich building, right? And when the opportunity came to uh, redevelop, we're just like, how how can we ignore the facade? It looks like this this uh, you know German chateau with the uh, with uh, the the uh, wooden windows and the shingles. You brought back the nostalgic house of Munich look. I've been, I've lived in, well, I've had the house here in Chulvisa uh, on the west side since the year 2000. And at that time, that was still there. The house of Munich was still there. So we would walk over, man, and just, you know, get our nice little plate of schnitzel, get our, you know, our sausage plate, get a couple of liters, hang out. And then from what, like you said, from one day to the next, it was gone. But when you and your partner, Alan, decided to like resurrect that 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 theme that that idea and and that business approach i was like yes it was fucking perfect and now when we go in there it's like yeah it's 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 almost nostalgic it's like a an completely unrelatable nostalgia but it's just based on what you're doing now i'm like oh fuck i i can get into this i think we really captured some of just like that old mystique like we even found the old house of munich sign in storage and we put it up in the hallway which is cool and you know we do have the european beers the german beers the sausages and pretzels, but we've moved, we've, you know, in the last few months, we've evolved from that even. Like, we have our, our pork and bison burger. Tasty. We have our chicken schnitzel. Ooh, we have, have uh, you know, and then a lot of bar fare now, like our, our wings, our house-made mac and cheese, like things of that nature. It's super approachable. And uh, actually, that's what I was sharing with some folks earlier today. It's just like, 
with the the build out and some of the decor and the music that we choose, like we are trying to serve you up a hot plate of nostalgia because you know, at the end of the day, we want you to be comfortable. And what makes you more comfortable than anything? Good memories, you know. And that's what we're doing there. And you know, something that I felt that was missing from from the block was just that tavern feel, like smaller, central, warm, cozy spot. And uh, you know, uh, we're family friendly. We have you know from. Uh, twinkle to wink to wrinkle up in there (laughs) (laughs) as is every spot on third avenue every time i go into your location i run into somebody you know it's like everybody on third avenue knows everybody everyone in chula vista oh yeah you know like it's a big small town it's the biggest (laughs) smallest little community in the world man i was at your tavern i ran into my banker you You know and i was with uh, one of my other buds one of my other partners matt and and his banker for his business too (laughs) so i was like damn this is a legit small town so we're just you know anytime i go in there I run into somebody. It's very welcoming. For it's very sure. quaint. It's got leaders, man. We got them steins here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just like having the, the true, Europe, not just European styles, but European beers like Hofbrau Lager, Bombardier, Ooh. things of that nature on draft. Like it turns people on. And then people that aren't even familiar with it, they're just excited that they have that option. And uh, like you're saying too, just like everybody knows everybody. And I share that with our staff and I share that with like our marketing people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you have, you have to be impeccable with your word on third Avenue because people will try to bait you into a conversation or maybe even try to pit us against each other without us. Truth. realizing it. And Very so, true on the ladder. And yeah. so I always tell people be impeccable with yep. the word because it's going to come back, yeah. you know, and <laughs> I, I, I don't want it. And I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we've, we've had conversations like that here with, whether it's here with the, the staff at the brewery or with the staff at the other bar, it's like, hey, Chulipas is small. You think you can go to another establishment and act the fool? It's all going to come back. For sure. When you're out and about, you're representing us, you're representing whatever business, you know, that you're representing them. Make sure you do the right thing. And it's true, man. I've, it's, it's, it's small. And, and, and the comment you made about people always, like, trying to generate drama, oh, my God. Pero por qué? Like why? Like I I know like since there's two breweries on the block, I always feel like they were always trying to pit us against Chula Vista Brewery and back and forth. So now Tim and I go out of our way to like hang out and like we'll go to the Elwood and and we've hung out and watched fights there. We've gone there and had drinks. Him and his and, and his wife Elwood, by the way they go and they hang out and drink. So I'm like, all right, cool. So if anything, aside from being having a good time and hanging out together, that should kind of temper people's feelings on like, hey. Three Punk and Chula Vista have drama. Barcy Norman and Third Avenue Ale House have drama. And now that Balboa is going to be open, the Tavern of the Vogue and Balboa, there can only be one burger on the blog. <laughs> and then Fuddrucker says, hey, hold my beer. Like, it's like, relax. Like, <laughs> um, it's just very weird. Well, I think I feel like there's a frenemies being created and we have no idea that it's going down. No, for sure. That, and that's something that I'm cognizant of. And it's like, I wouldn't have brought it up otherwise. I think some of it is nefarious mm. some people want to watch the world burn right i know a few of those but i think some of it is just like you know um we all have our favorite sports teams right and then so it's like if you're someone's favorite brewery or you're someone's favorite bar or you're someone's favorite restaurant they want you to to uh reinforce that feeling and be like yeah we are great or yeah we're so much better than them when in reality it's like you don't have to be that way it's like dude we're all so amazing like we're i tell I tell young cats 
Like, these are the good old days. You're living in the good old days. You're going to look back at this and realize, like, how great it was to uh, have Steve-O pour you a beer. How great it was to, uh, you know, have... Engage in conversation with QB on the bar. Yeah, like, you I, know? I won't be there all the time, yep. eventually, you know, because, you know, my number one priority is being a husband and a father. You know, if if I could, I'd be I'd be a stay at home dad. But oh, I realize. Tell me more. That, that would be right. Yeah, I realize that opportunity doesn't strike that often, and I'll only be young once. Mm-hmm. So as long as I can work as hard as I can right now, I'm going to do it. Doctor Q, that time has passed. <laughs> I'm still young. Yeah, he's okay. so I crack my knuckles and my back without trying now. Oh, but, <laughs> that, that, you know how I know you're old. <laughs> But you know, I'm still gonna go hard in the paint because I'm not the know, walker. This isn't it's this isn't prop tomorrow isn't promised. Right? Yeah. Perfect, perfect topic to, to jump off on. Two things. Nothing is guaranteed tomorrow. I enjoy running this business and the Elwood and watching everyone flourish, but nothing is guaranteed. So yeah, I tell myself, take advantage. I tell my partners, like, hey man, you never know what could happen, you know. Two, three bad months, things starts getting slippery, like, uh oh. You know, so it's like, what can I do without compromising my family time? Because that level of balance is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost feel like I have it down a little bit. But you, I, I consider myself somebody who's very busy and a family man, definitely. But you, I, I feel like we live mirror images of our lives. I know you're very busy. How do you maintain that balance of el jefe de la casa y el jefe en el negocio? You know, I have a really fortunate circumstance of being married to my best friend. So Stephanie knows who she married. <laughs> she, I hope she said she does. <laughs> she, she, she knows the man that I am and she knows that the man that I want to be. So that's already a great advantage. And I would say this to anyone, because I get asked all the time for whatever reason, like marriage advice. So you probably get asked too, because people look at you like you're married, you got kids, right? Like, you must know what you're doing. More than anything, <laughs> just communicate, communicate, communicate. Because communication is key to making sure that you're on the same page and that you're not making assumptions. Never make an assumption with any relationship, but particularly your marriage. Particularly once you have kids, you know. So it's like I try to, uh, me and my wife, we, we send each other calendar invites, right? To like, hey, this is a thing that I'd like for you to be at. Or this is a thing that I'm going to do. You don't have to be at. <laughs> You know, so on and so forth. But it's like, if you don't, you, it, this all comes down to time management. Oh, if, you, if you don't keep a, a calendar for yourself, you try to keep it all in your head, you're going to fail because you're going to forget. But if you keep, that's our smartphones can make us done sometimes, but our smartphones can really help us with our calendars, texting, emails, things of that nature. And then also knowing what, what is your true priority? Like, you know, people like to say, it's like, oh, I'm a family man. What does that really mean to you, though? Like, when you're home, are you do you play with your kids or they're watching a video, you know? Or when you're with your wife, are you hanging out? Or are you just, like, watching a movie together? Like, what do you want to do? How do you want to spend your time? So, like, for me, it's like uh, my kids don't get screen time, right? So that means when I'm with them, we're interacting, whether we're coloring because I have a 3-year-old and 10-month-old. And, and You're in the thick of it, my man. Yeah, you are in yeah. the thick of it. And then so it's like... You got to be hands-on with them. Got to be hands-on in your relationship if that's what, what your priority is. And then how do you make everything pay back to that? Not just financially, but like, are you wasting your time? It's like, are you working the right shifts in your businesses? 
Are you staffing the right shifts so that you can be free? Are you taking the right days off? You know, uh, there's no such thing as a, as a even work-life balance. You know, people will be chasing that dragon forever. There's always going to be that cost-benefit analysis. You know, like right now, I'm supposed to be at Tavern, mm-hmm. but we had coverage today. Alan encouraged me to do this, and here I am. And afterwards, I'm going to go check in, and then the last couple hours of the day, I'm going to go home and do the tree with my wife and kids. It's all planned out. It's not. Uh, I hope it happens. No, this is this is the way out. it's going to go. It has down. to go down. Yep. And it has, but it has to be planned out. So if you're trying to do life by the seat of your pants, if you fail to plan, you're going you're making a plan to fail. I always tell people that, man. You know, as soon as you start failing to plan, you're planning to fail. There's no way around it. I am guilty of that, and my wife will be the first one to be like, "Get the dije." And it's true because I try to like, okay, I have this, I have, I have that. Let's go. And then I'm like, something will always slip through the crack. For sure. And, you know, I'm learning as I go. I've been married 14 years and I'm still learning how to be a good husband and how to make it work. And uh, and now when you throw kids into this situation, that equation, it's, it's crazy. You know? Oh, yeah. You have kids. Different personalities. Months, yeah, every, <laughs> it's weird how so little they start developing that personality. But... You have to cater to each one differently. You have to speak to each one differently. You have to listen to each one differently. Everything you do is like cater to individual personalities, including my wife, you know? Yeah. And from here, I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to go to the Yellowwood. I'm going to go back home. Wifey has her own agenda. Right now, she's with the kids at Jiu-Jitsu. We're going to rally at the house, be there around 6, 6.30. We're going to have dinner for them. We're going to do their homework. going to give them a bath. We're going to lay down and read to them. They're going to go to sleep. Then we go to our room and we chat. You know, so, I mean, that is the routine, but that is, if I don't have a routine, I feel now that it, everything falls to shit. No, you know, sure. that, as soon as, like you say, the flying by the seat of my pants, I can't handle that anymore. I need to know, I should be here. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And then ultimately, like, nothing gets done. Yeah, because then you can kind of, if you don't have that plan, then you can kind of get in that analysis paralysis, which is like too, like an over plan, but you're not even doing anything. You're just, it's all in your head. The wheels are moving. You're on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> true, know? man. And uh, like, also just realize what when you're in your different businesses, whether you're wearing multiple hats, like what what's your strength? Like, fall into that. Like, if you're really good with numbers, do that. If you're really good at customer service, handle do that. that. If you're just really good at being the face, do that. Mm. You know. What if you're good at all of them? <laughs> well, then you make sure that you. Uh, you give yourself some different responsibilities throughout the week. Dude, I, I'm hard at delegating. I'm very, I, it sucks. I'm the worst at it. it. It's hard for me to delegate. It's difficult for me to like let go of certain things because I feel like I'm the one that can do this. For no sure. one, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, that's something I need to stop when and it, work on. When it comes to business, I tell people this. There's certain things that you can pick up the slack on and there's certain things that even if you're smart enough, you might be the smartest person in the block. Pay for someone to do it. So you should pay an account to be your account. You should pay a payroll company to take care of your payroll. You should pay a janitor to be your overnight janitor. These are things that, yes, you can do. Yes, you can find the time to do it. The opportunity cost of us doing that, though. <laughs> Cost-benefit analysis yep. is insane. And at the end of the day, like if you have a payroll company taking care of your payroll taxes, that's something that is not weighing heavily. In that's the back a of stress your mind. that you have relieved yourself of. Uh, same with uh, your accountant. If you can get as many things on auto pay and as many things as just even the, the 
the act of writing a check day after day is is even if the money's there, <laughs> it weighs on you. Mm. You know, because you you already know. Okay, this is going this is out. Gone. This is going. This out. is gone. So, you have your account taking care of it. You keep an eye on it, yeah. of course. You got to be the big picture person. But uh, you know, a lot of people they ask like, "Oh, how do you start a business?" Well. <laughs> Starting a business is, I said it earlier, it's more than financing and, and an idea. You have to have that passion. But you also have have to have uh, wherewithal. Like, don't go into a, a business without trying to have done it before. By that I mean, like, you want, so many people want to become a, a bar owner or a brewery owner or a restaurant owner. You know what? Get a job as a busboy. Get a job as a dishwasher. Learn the guts Get of the program. Get a job as a cashier. Mm. And then if, if you have the guts to stick with that and reach the next level, then you know, like, you can really do it. You know, like, I was at a restaurant not too long ago downtown, which is, you know, we're basically, like, it's so hard to succeed downtown, right? And someone pointed out, oh, that's the owner. The guy, he was polishing glasses. And I was like, oh, that's not a good look. Because that's not what you should be spending your time on. You have people to do that. You have a staff, you have bartenders, you have all, all the above. What you should be worried about is, okay, what's not selling? What's not moving? If I'm going to look at these glasses, what's the cost per glass? Do I have as many glasses on the shelf that I paid for? Is someone nicking these? Mm-hmm. Is someone breaking these? Where's the money really going? Because that all that machine will take care of itself it's those little details the devil is in the details there you go the devil's in the details that you need to be paying attention to everybody wants to be the boss until you have to do boss shit (laughs) you know and and i often find myself like thinking this it's like yeah i I understand that it's a bad look to be behind the bar polishing and like oh man that's you know he should totally be doing something else Sometimes that's necessary, sometimes. you know, like sometimes it, what people don't realize is you have to wear all of the hats, you know, yeah. S- sometimes you are, you, you are the person serving the beers, but on that token, I, I enjoy going to a business an establishment and seeing the owner behind the bar, like serving beers. It, it, it makes me feel like, oh, cool. That's awesome. This person takes great pride in what he does. This, this is obviously the, 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 this is what he's uh, invested time, effort and, and finances and, and building. And he takes great pride in, in being here, you know? I, I love going to your establishment and Alan is there. Yeah. And Alan's serving me a serving me a leader. I've gone to you and you've been there. You know, I go next door to your brother with Tony, he's there serving. And like Machete, every all the businesses that I go to, I, I'm Matt. Matt at the Manhattan, he's there. Like he'll make us a drink on occasion. Very fucking rare. But he, he, when he's there, he's there. He's he's more of a general manager. He's like a John Madden just in the background lurking. Whoa. Lurking. Um but yeah, man, I mean, managerial style, business owner styles, we're all new at this, I feel. And it's a cool time and place right now where we are at. We're all pretty, I mean, what's two years in running a business? It's it's nothing, you know? Like, right. you just started your end. I'm two years in, but we're all in the same, like, playing field, like, learning as we go. Certain things don't work. We got the highs aren't always as high as they're going to be, and the lows aren't always as bad. There's going to be months when there's a surplus of finance in the account. And you're like, all right, cool. There's going to be months where I have to cut a personal check and loan money to the to the businesses in order to float us. You know, yeah. want to be a business owner? That's what it's all. You know, you got you got to make sure you're ready for everything. It's like being in the middle of the ocean and you're in a fucking rowboat, and one of the paddles just went to shit. It's like, all right, cool. I have this. I have that. And this is what's going on around me. How are we going to make this work? One hundred. Basically, the funnel's going to be on you. Yeah. <laughs> but always. It'll always be on you. 
you know, like, oh, fuck. And, and we were talking about earlier, like great pride and, and, and payroll always being met and, and product always being available. Those things, man, paramount. Like people just come in and expect those things, but don't understand the, the work and, and, and what, what, what is, what is going on behind the scenes. I tell people it's like, I'm like a fucking duck sometimes. Yeah, I'll appear, appear very chill on, on the surface, but underneath you don't understand that I'm pedaling like crazy, <laughs> yeah. just trying to make sure everything is afloat, making sure everything is cool. Throw in another business, things get crazy. Throw in working another job, even fucking nuts, and then you have a family, you know? And then you wanna maintain relationships. Um, aside from like the birth of the children, Opening a business has been the most stressful thing I've ever embarked upon. Mm-hmm. Your your um your partner Alan once told me, he's like, enjoy this man. O- opening the business, you know, getting everything set up, the foundation, the blueprint, planning, what goes here, what goes there, how am I going to do this? That's the fun part, you know. That that's the fun part. Once you open the doors, and then actual commerce is occurring, that's when it gets stressful. That's when it gets tricky because. Yeah. That's not a, oh, cool, it worked one day. No, motherfucker. That's worked every day. Yeah. That has to be the consistent result every day. You know? You got to stay relevant every day. Yeah. And you got to keep that energy up on that day where you made 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to go out there again and swing for the fences. Yeah. And do it every day. And I'd say that's probably a, uh, something that most people aren't prepared for is like the fact that you're gonna take some L's. You know, you're gonna get yeah. kicked in the in the guts. Say repeatedly. nuts. I, was, I wanted to say guts, oh. but then that's almost came out. <laughs> get kicked in the nuts too, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a humbling experience. You know, um, I'm confident, but yeah, this is this is a oh, having a business, having kids. It's very humbling. It's very oh, humbling because sure. you you just have to. It's a game of chess where you have to be three four moves ahead of the game already. He's like, if I do this, what's the result? Whether it's taking my kid to practice or jujitsu or helping them with his homework or reading to him. Like, you have to see a few moves in advance and see the end result of where you're going. Where is this leading me to? For sure. I, you know, the advice I give people for about marriage is like, make sure you marry your best friend because someday your hips will stop working. You better make sure that that's a person you want to hang out with. And then when it comes to kids, make sure that you have a plan every day. Like, I have a plan for how I'm going to wake up my daughter to go to school. I have a plan for what we're going to do when I pick her up after school. I have a plan for what we're going to do the hour before bed. Because if you're winging it, you're, you don't realize it, but you're teaching them some horrible shit. Yeah. That's the one thing you don't want to wing it at. <laughs> you don't want to wing it as a parent. Uh, and, like, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, we'll just take it as it comes. No, actually, uh, kids are on our property. They're not ours, even though we say our kids. Like, they're our responsibility. They're our responsibility. And then so you have responsibility to turn them into a good person. It's like, you, you know, you don't have to turn them into a genius. You don't have to turn them into the next president of the United States. But you, 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 you owe it to society and you owe it to them. Are they good at being a people? Yeah. Like, can they people at all? Like We just have to make them responsible, respectful human beings. For sure. Like, when I was an educator, uh, you know, my last tenure at Southwestern College, I was the uh, coordinator of student activities, which was my dream job. That job consists of being uh, the liaison with all the campus clubs and organizations and also uh, in charge of... Uh, instructing and guiding the associated student organization, which are the elected student officials. And, you know, by virtue of working with that group of students, like you're, you're working with the creme de la creme, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, those are the type of people that- They're the go-getters. Yeah, they're the go-getters. They're the, uh, they pursue yeah, those things. Echelon. 
But at the same time, some of those go-getters don't have the best people skills. And more than more, the, the lesson I taught more than anything was like, <clears throat> you could be the smartest engineer, and you could be the best at coding, and you could be the best at math, at complex mathematics. But if you don't know how to be a person, how does that translate to being a, not a dickhead? Yeah, <laughs> they're just gonna throw you in a in a cube. Yeah, you can be in that cubicle making hundred fifty thousand, hundred thousand. That's it. Like you're not gonna move on from that. You're not gonna be a leader of man. You're not gonna be a pillar of the community. You're just gonna be a cog in their machine. Yep. Fall in line. At the end of the day, people hire and fire based on personalities. If they can't get along with you or they don't just like your face, they don't want to be around you, then there's not much you can do. But if you know how to be a good person, how to interact with people and how to be someone how to how to be someone that people want to be around, then like the sky can be the limit. How did you parlay that, your Southwestern experience, into politics? Is it politics or is it just community service, what you currently do in the city of National City? It's 100% just service because what happened in National City in 2018 was our current mayor, she ascended to the rank of mayor, she, uh, Alejandro Sotelo Solis, she was a, a city councilwoman. She got elected to the position of mayor. Then her seat was uh, vacated. And then so they wanted to hold a special election, which costs nearly a million dollars. Money, 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 yeah. money. Like National City is that the median income is a little over $40,000. Okay. So to ask the citizens this, of the city to, to pony up <laughs> to pony up a million dollars so that someone can fulfill a two-year term like this the rem it's not even a four-year term is the remainder of that seat's term so two more years it was ridiculous to me and at the time when that happened i was uh, vice chair of the planning commission like when i when i moved back to national city <clears throat> like 10 years ago i bought a house and i moved back i say on purpose and with purpose you know at the time i could have bought a, a house almost anywhere in san diego the the market was not crazy then but I was like, you know, something inside me was like, I want, if I'm going to be an educator in the South Bay, I should live in the South Bay. And what better place than National City? That's where I'm from. Chula Vista. And, <laughs> and then, uh, so like I was a traffic safety commissioner, the planning yeah, commissioner. Yeah. And, and it, it was just, you know, a few hours a week and a way, a way to give back. And then, you know, the timing was where I, you know, I had been doing it for so long. And as a vice chair of the planning commission, people were saying, you should really apply for this interim position of uh, just just fulfilling the uh, the remaining two years because uh, it was an appointment. They decided to do an appointment before the election. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But, you know, some of the right people said the right things to me, like like uh, Colin Parent from uh, the city of La Mesa, his councilman there, and also director of uh, Circulate San Diego. Circulate San Diego. A friend of ours, right? Um, He's like, just go through the process. He knew exactly what to say to me. It's like, as an educator and uh, someone that is just interested in how things work, going through the process was all I needed. Because then during the process, I saw that there was people that were pursuing the uh, appointment just because of a pursuit of power. People that were pursuing the appointment because they had nothing better to do. And people that were pursuing the, the appointment for... A reason you could, you could, no one could comprehend. Maybe not even them. Like they had no business going for it, because it was. It's 
to, to serve as a city council person, especially someone that's appointed as a council person, you have to realize that you're not being uh, appointed at the will of the, of the people, per se. You're being appointed by those that were elected by the people. So you should be going in there with a clear idea that you're going to be of service to everyone but yourself. Yeah, that's true. This isn't this isn't for a political gain. This isn't for business gain. This isn't for clout or any sort of prestige. And then when I saw that you know they wanted to also do possibly do the special election, those two things combined, I was like, I have to I have to stick with it. And it was a arduous process. It was multiple multiple uh, special council meetings, but ultimately I got appointed to as a city council member. Is you know in February and it's. Uh, the best use of my time, you know, that I maybe that I've ever had. Nice. And uh, for a variety of reasons. One, because I was appointed, I don't, I, there's no special interest behind me, right? There's no one that got me elected. No one pushed you. No yeah. One, there's no, no one, one lined there's, you. <laughs> there, yeah. There's no, no one lined my pockets, yeah. <laughs> right? There's no one paid for a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I was appointed by those that were elected. So uh, I don't have, I don't owe them anything because they, they themselves are of service. And it's actually a really interesting case study of like governance because of that. Like, you know, that when I'm making a decision on the dais, it's not coming from party, it's not coming from a special interest group, it's coming, it's coming from, from, from an analysis yep. from, from me. And, you know, I have a doctor. The mind of Dr. Q. Doctor of education, a lot of community service in my background, a lot of business in my background. I feel like I have a wide breadth of knowledge to make decisions that sometimes are unpopular and sometimes are popular, but I think that it's always sound logic. Well, reverting back to what you said earlier, of like, oh, people want to open a brewery, people want to open a restaurant, open a bar, become a busser, you know, work at a cashier. Where are you going with this as being the city council member? Like, what, what is your ultimate goal? Like, all the way to the top? Well, what, what's you know, the word? I, I did file papers to run for election this year. So I can't say re-election because I wasn't elected. Because you weren't elected, yeah. But I am an incumbent candidate because I am currently a city councilman in the city of National City. But I want to be elected. And if, you know, over the course of this year and next, if I show the citizens of National City that I'm the person that they want on the dais along with our mayor, vice mayor, and council members, that'd be great. If I don't get elected, that's fine with me too because I trust in the citizens of National City. I was saying it earlier, like what's so great about working with our staff in National City is like the city's just the right size. Meaning if there's an issue, you can't kick the can down the road and there's no one to pass the buck to. Like there's only a finite amount of people to govern, only a finite amount of people to administrate. Our police and firefighters are friends with the community and with each other, which is something you don't see in, in a lot of communities. Like, it's small town USA, best way possible. Yeah. You know, so I would love to continue service, uh, providing service and being of service to the city and national city. But at the same time, if I don't get elected, I've, I've done what I can. And, you know, I'll probably just still provide service in some other way. <laughs> Maybe finally open a business in national city. El Vato. <laughs> North Park being like, don't go to North Park. Like, why are you guys going to North Park? You know, and it's like, yeah, like, yeah. You had no business there. You had no business. There was an '80s club wifey and I used to go to. What is it called? Spooners, shooters. Shooters. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was the old. Um, ¿Cómo se llama ese pinche lugar en la esquina? The one across the street from Union Bank. It's like thirty-one. No, no, no. Um, oh, Union Bank. Oh, 
next to it used to be the bar pink before yeah, the bar pink. right next to bar pink that big old bar it's a huge bar i always forget the name of it well there was a big old there's a big bar popular like football destination on the weekends and um we used to go there man and it was dangerous you know it was like oh shit like you know you felt comfortable going there and you go outside and it's not like 30th is now where you know bar pink is there across the street is parking structure you go over here there's more restaurants there's more bars no man that was it no for sure like <laughs> i like for a lot of those places, you can tell you what used to be there too, right? Like, Bar Pink used to be the Pink Elephant. Right? Pink Elephant, yeah. And that was if you people think Bar Pink is a dive, no, that's like a dressed up dive bar. Don't worry about it. Or like, where um, what's that called? Seven Grand is that was Baca's house, which yes, was like a lesbian bar, yeah. right? And uh, which was cool seeing there because it was like that that like ten years ago that era was when like people just started interacting with people you know it stopped being just like oh that's just a gay club or that's just a this kind of <laughs> that's weird that you say that because the night that we'd like to go on was like their 80s like night and this it, it, it was it was a gay bar like it was it, or specifically that night was like the quote-unquote gay night and we would go and we'd have a blast there because the music was awesome the people were cool and i only found out that when dudes like started buying me drinks and ign- completely ignoring my wife, and then come straight up to me, hey, can I get you a drink? I'm like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Till a dude like patted me on the ass, and then looked at wife, and she's like, yep. And I was like, oh. And then it's like that moment, like in a movie, where you look around and like, ding, oh shit. And you go to this, oh my god, the guy has assless leather chaps, and you started like putting piecing it together. And then, and it was like it was just fucking awesome. Like we would go there because it was a good time. Everybody was just having a good time, drinking, listening to music. There was long lines to get in, but as soon as you left there, watch your ass because that, that was a sure. dangerous area. Super dark, un, you know. Like it was not a good neighborhood at the time, and like as as we know with with like other neighborhoods, if the if it's not a good neighborhood, that means that uh, property values are low. Mm. Pro- property values are low. Then. You have streetlights that are out. You have things that aren't tended to. So, like, I remember going, like, we used to go to Scolari's office, which is the office now. Office is cool as shit. Scolari's office is super cool. That was, like, it's hard to explain to someone now what, what Scolari's was, you know, but it's, like, there was nothing on that block. It was super dark, and then you, you're kind of just running to Scolari. Like, you're running from place to place. See, we're of a damn old person talking right here. We're, we're of a generation where we benefited from seeing real time before and after. You know, like Third Avenue when I when we first got this house here in, on West Side of Chula Vista, Ghost Town, man, oh, legitimate sure. Ghost Town, tumbleweeds. There was two, three spots: the Vogue, La Bella, and um, I think Fuddruckers was still there. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but I think yeah, Fuddruckers yeah. was still there. And that was it. There was not much of anything else. You know, I turned 21. Uh, I walked from my pad with my roommates to Doc's. You know, I had my first legal drink at Doc's, had some whiskeys, went to Silver Dollar. Those places were always here, always here. But everything else on Third Avenue was like a um, jewelry repair, watch repair, a sewing machine shop, um, quinceanera halls, you know, tailors. That was a thing. Third Avenue wasn't as um, grimy, like or dangerous rather, like North Park Thirtieth was. Yeah, but it still had its little dark underbelly. Yeah, for sure. Like Third Avenue was essentially all but abandoned in in, in a meaningful way because it's like in pursuit of trying to find something else on Third Avenue, a, a space on Third Avenue. What I found out was like 
so many of the uh, businesses on Third Avenue were uh, family-owned and operated, but it was, like, generational. So it's, like, yeah, watch repairs and what have you. It's, like, it's just something to do. It's not really a cash maker, but this this business has been in the family. And the family, the lineage has been there. And the property. Correct. And and the building. (laughs) And they probably live behind there, like, uh, residents within the business establishment, you know? The upstairs apartments. And then also, like, finding out, too, where... Some of it is, uh, and we see this, like, this is a big issue in, in National City because we have, like, something like 70% occupancy rate of terms of renters where you have all these, uh, you know, out of out of county, out of state, out of country landlords, you know, these, uh, they're just not here. They're not so, present. So, yeah. so uh, the fact that you have these, un- these, these landlords that aren't present and people writing checks to a P.O. box or writing checks to a trust fund that property is never going to get redeveloped no. because that person, the person has no idea what's happening on third. So they're happy that they're getting their like three to $5,000 a month, not realizing like, Hey, like, you know, you could, why don't you just sell the property to the business owner or why don't you sell the property to someone that could redevelop it? But you can't even have that conversation because they're not, they're not that. present. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Man. But you know, uh, Good or, for better or worse, you know, Third Avenue starting to wake up, right? So, I mean, we have the Balboa coming. We have uh, Cocina 33, right? Is that the, the new Mexican restaurant that's happening? Uh, ba, 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 ba. Cruce 241. Cruce. Yeah, Cruce, Cruce 241. Yes. Oh, it's a different restaurant. El Cruce 241. Sorry. El Cruce. And then... Uh, Machete is coming. Machete, La Nacional. La Nacional is, is coming. Uh, Correct. And then... Uh, you know, word on the sheet is good. there's going to be the Dark Horse Coffee Roast. Dark Horse is here, on its way. The pizza and, and beer. Pizza and beer spot. Um, it's crazy, man. And the last three years, this place has just gone bananas. For sure. You and, know? Then, and, you know, it's it's not just breweries, bars, and restaurants, though, too. You know, like, you have, like... The, the Quinceañera Halls. <laughs> you know, the Quinceañera Halls. Those are though, the guys the, I... <laughs> the, those are, the, those are the, the ones that really helped reactivate the... They did the heavy lifting. You know? They, they did really the heavy did lifting. They put boots on the ground on 3rd Avenue. 100%. On a regular basis. 100%. They, they uh, activated those spaces, yep. number one. And also, like, I know you can look back and... Because we see it even now, but I know you can look back at the beginning. So many nights with the with the quinceanera, where you'd get like twenty uncles and aunts that left the quince looking for something to do. Looking for something. Let's go to Docs. Yeah. It's cash only. Fuck ATM. Ah, three dollar service charge. Who cares? Whiskey's everybody. Sass. For you know? sure. And then and then now and then they they're like, oh, there's something to do out there. And they come back the next weekend. Mm-hmm. Sans quinceanera. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so that that's really great and. You know, something that we have here, too, is just a super walkable community. You know, multiple trolley stops. We have from E to H Street, right, two, uh, two trolley stops, multiple bus routes. Uber and Lyft is obviously a part of the vernacular. And then, like, uh, housing is literally right behind 3rd Avenue. Like, Yeah, we're in, we're in a unique situation where residential commingles closely with commerce with commercial properties you know when we were opening and obtaining our liquor license alcohol license i actually had to go visit homes knock on doors have them sign something saying that they were okay with us opening and and producing beer here at this location so i mean when we say we're like we're in the community we you know we're both in the community man we 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 legitimately have businesses that are intertwined and there's more coming you know there, there there's more residents being built now, 
there's no like uh, outward building. It's more on top of on top of on top. So we're going to start seeing more uh, what like condo apartments. It's, it's a good future there's right now. A lot, there, there's, 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 a lot of there's a lot of dense housing coming to third, like that new property on the uh, fourth and H yeah. is almost finished. And then more than anything, like when people come down here, I really, I really encourage them to come talk to you. Come talk to me, not to kiss our rings. It's not about that. We have rings, bro. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the one that I sent you. <laughs> I need to get, get it resized. It, it fell off. It fell off. It's in the cayo. But it's just like more like, Hey, Please understand that what's happening on third is also by virtue of the fact that we're all from this area. Yeah. You know, like I went to Sweetwater High School. You went to Bonita Vista High School. Say it loud, say it proud. (laughs) Bonita. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like we're from here and we, we care about this community because we have all these memories. Like. People talk about the Vogas, like, hey, so you remember calling 1-800-COLLECT and just saying, go pick me up. Yep, quickly. <laughs> I remember watching Boys in the Hood. Or that was my movie here. How about this? Like, uh, you you know, we thought we were all cool and shit. Our parents dropping us off. We could see three movies for two bucks. Yeah. So but, long as you hid underneath the chair. No, it was just, you wouldn't kick you out. You'd get all, six, all three. So you could be there for six hours. Our parents would get rid of us. <laughs> Imagine getting rid of your kids for two bucks. Fuck, bro. <laughs> We could do it for free. Just give them an iPad. That's Jesus true. Christ. And then the coolest part, too, is like, hey, remember, like, you're, before cell phones and all that other stuff, before one injury collect, before any of that, your parents would say, all right, the movie ends at 8. I'm going to come pick you up right here at 8.15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your ass better be here at 8.15. Yep. And then your friends would be like, let's go to some You're like, no. Nope. No, bro. I want to get picked up. Because <laughs> if, if you weren't there, what would happen? I'm not going to get this opportunity to go to the movie again next week. And you're going to have to walk. <laughs> <laughs> see, my parents wouldn't have done that. Oh, no. Fuck. See, that's why you turned out the way you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, check this out. It's, it, I mean, we sound like old school. The new term of the last month is boomers. It, as soon as the streetlights went on, legit, for me, that was a sign like, oh, fuck, lights are on. I got to get back home. No, as soon as sure. it got too dark, it's like, that's it. There was no cell phone. There was no watch. There was no this. There was no that. It was like. Streetlights are on. I don't care where I'm skateboarding. I don't care where I'm like riding my bike. I got to get my ass back home. Because if I don't get home, I'm going to get a lecture that I don't want to even listen to. 100. You know, like we're, we're, I was born in 81, you know, and then so it's like, I remember the sixth, in sixth grade, like my sixth grade promotion, like that report that I had to type up was on a typewriter. Then in the seventh grade, I learned how to use a computer, you know, and it's, so it's stuff like that where it's like, my first cell phone was a Nokia brick. Nine. When I was uh, 18. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was a Motorola flip phone. Boy, you took me back right there with the fucking typewriter. Um, I used to have to go to my mom's office to use her typewriter, bro, to fucking type up my reports, even in high school. In high school, like, the whiteout. The, oh, my God. Oh, for sure. That, that, that was Those were bad times. And that's why we got good those at, like, bad uh, times. we didn't need spell check eventually because no. like you oh. could not mess up. You, there was no delete button. And you didn't. You, I remember, like, when in, in the sixth grade also we couldn't have like more than a few mistakes with whiteout or else it's yeah it started docking you for it yeah it's like oh I see a little whiteout here it's like yeah it's like, oh. <laughs> that's crazy crazy times old cute. man old man I'm happy you came in well, I want to keep checking in with you for like sure like I said you're a pillar of the community you're the one that kind of kick-started everything down here on 3rd Avenue and now 
Look at us now. Look at us now. Uh, More than anything, you know, like, I I realize a lot of people along the way, like, you were a former student of mine, people that came to me for advice are running, you know, amazing businesses now. And, you know, I I love that. I feel like people have surpassed me in in many ways, you know. And if, if you're a leader and you're not, helping people to surpass you yeah you're you're failing what are you doing yeah like and this isn't about us it's like we were saying earlier you know as an aside one of the best things about doing this podcast is like our kids can listen to this 10 years from now and they get a little flavor of who we were you know we don't just do these things to to pay the bills we don't just do these things to get ahead you make money on the podcast for the lujo jesus yeah man i'm doing this shit wrong oh i'm i'm sponsored by joe rogan baby fuck dude i got like (laughs) cbd oils the other day and i think somebody sent me like some the fucking taco but money all right cool (laughs) but uh you know at the end of the day like but everything that you do has to be for the next generation and if you have a purpose behind it if you're not help if you got to lift as you climb right mm-hmm. if you're not lifting as you climb then what are you doing it for <sighs> q thank you thank you steve uh I'll, I'll check back in i'll let you know how the election goes <laughs> yeah let us know what we can do to push we've got a lot of listeners in national city yeah quintero for city council 2020 el vato pinche Walter status boom Silent champ thank you thank you